0: This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Okay, let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, we just pray that you help us to understand your word, help us to really challenge our hearts with your word, and to really assess ourselves honestly if we are uh, traveling on the narrow road. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Life is difficult. Uh, Do you agree with that statement, that life is difficult? I think generally life is difficult. Uh, You lose friends, you lose money, you may get hurt, you have your dreams fall apart on you, uh, you get sick, your children get sick, your family members get sick, your parents pass away. Life is difficult. And I think that uh, by and large, the whole of life is actually designed around running away from difficulty. Right? So, if you can see this diagram up here, this is the way that we generally uh, run our lives, right? We avoid difficulty. And, uh, you know, that's why we put our money in the bank so that we avoid financial difficulty. We have insurance companies so that we uh, are able to pay for things which are unexpected. We eat well, we try to walk 10,000 steps so that we don't run into difficulty when we get older. And in some ways, people perceive the church as a way of avoiding difficulty. I remember going to a church once and there was a testimony by someone at the front saying that when they started coming to this church, they were a, a D student. But after they came to church, they were an A student. Uh, you hear churches preaching about how after you become a Christian, life will become very joyful, very secure, Uh, you'll be prosperous, you'll be wealthy, you'll be healthy, you will have no difficulty. Now, is that really true? Is that the way church and Christianity is about? That somehow, after you become a Christian, that life is free from difficulty? Now, over the last few weeks, as we've been going through the book of Matthew uh we've actually learned a few things we've learned some things about Jesus and fundamentally if you look here on the slide Jesus is shown to be the Christ the king eternal king for ever and ever he is God he is also the savior and through Jesus the next slide we come into the kingdom of heaven it is through Jesus that we are able to be saved but Jesus then goes on in the sermon on the mount in Matthew chapter 5 to 7, to tell us that when we come into His kingdom, when we are disciples of Jesus, we are meant to behave as kingdom people, as disciples of Jesus. And this requires us to behave in certain ways. So things like being righteous, things like not being angry, things like not telling lies, loving our neighbor, forgiving sins, loving enemies. And all these things are difficult. Uh, when I've been to the Bible study, that's the word that keeps coming up. And I'm sure that for many of us, when we read the Sermon on the Mount, when we study in our Bible studies, when we listen to it during the sermon, we think difficult, very difficult. So, give you a few examples, right? Uh, next slide. <clears throat> the next one. Okay, next one. When we go to the Bible study, these are the passages where people struggle with the most, right? They'll say things like, uh, okay. Jesus says, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Sounds very difficult. You have heard that it was said eye for eye, tooth for tooth, but I tell you do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Difficult. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. All these things, very difficult, very difficult to live as a kingdom person. And the temptation is, I think, as we come to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, is that just as we live lives generally running away from difficulty, I mean, after all, who runs towards difficulty? then the temptation is when we hear the Sermon on the Mount, we also want to run away from the Sermon on the Mount. We choose to want to not to obey certain aspects of the Sermon on the Mount. So what does Jesus say as He comes to the end of His Sermon? Because obviously He knows our hearts. He knows the hearts of His hearers in the crowd that day. So verse 13 He says, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Now, in these two sentences, there is so much meaning. It's like these two sentences are pregnant with profound meaning. So Jesus says... That the way of life, the way of being a kingdom person, a disciple of Jesus, is a narrow path. It is a narrow gate. Now, what is he saying? Well, if you look at this picture, so I've got lots of pictures generally, but today I've got some other ones. So this is like a narrow path, a narrow gate, right? And how would you describe a narrow gate? It is restrictive. It is tight. It presses upon you. It doesn't give you much space, right? It makes you uncomfortable. It's a bit like you know when you go to buy clothes. You know when you buy clothes and you try all the clothes. I mean that's why I don't buy stuff through the internet, right? Because I, I want to try stuff. So you know you try things on. It's too tight. You know you try S when you really are M. You try M when you really are L, right? So when you wear these clothes, the natural instinct is, oh, this is too tight. I need to buy something bigger. But the thing is, when you are a Christian, when you are a disciple of Jesus, when you are in the kingdom of heaven, you don't change the clothes to fit you. Rather, you change yourself to fit into the narrow path of discipleship, the narrow path of the kingdom person. I remember as a young Christian, I had a friend of mine. I still, I just, I forgot his name for many years. But this morning, I finally remember his name. His name was Kenny. He lives in Malaysia. He was an overseas student with me, and he became a Christian soon after I did. He always used to say, you know, being a Christian cramps my style, right? And it does, in a sense, cramp your style, right? Because you naturally want to live in a certain way. You naturally want to retaliate against people who are not nice to you You naturally don't want to forgive people you naturally do not want to do what is righteous but jesus says you need to do it if you're a kingdom person and it's it feels uncomfortable it's painful it's difficult it is suffering but this is the way that we must live if we are to be disciples of jesus christ But it's not just a narrow gate, right? Which Jesus uses as a metaphor of the kingdom life. He says that it is a narrow path. Oh, you can't really see it on this picture. But there's a narrow path here, okay? And uh, actually near my house, uh, near the Bukit Batok uh, Nature Reserve, there is such a path which I walk past sometimes. You can hardly see it. There's a little path which people walk through. And I never walk through that path. Because it looks very uncomfortable, right? It is like, it is like the trees are pressing in upon you, there are thorns and thistles, it is just difficult to walk on. That is the picture of the Christian life. The narrow gate doesn't open up into a broad vista where it's really comfortable to walk in. You enter through the narrow gate and you walk on the narrow path. It keeps being difficult. The Christian life doesn't get any easier. It just keeps constricting you as you keep walking along. Now that is the sense of the word, okay, so uh, in the original language, the word narrow here as it is used is in the perfect tense, right? So the perfect tense is actually a continuous tense, that means it continues to be narrow all of your life until you die or Jesus Christ comes again. So if you find that as a Christian life is difficult because you're a Christian, it is natural. That is the way it is meant to be. And if your life as a Christian, it is not narrow, then then you have to ask yourself, maybe I have entered through the wrong gate. I'm in the broad gate and I'm walking on the broad road. Now, I want to look a bit more at this word narrow. Okay, Why is it difficult, the Christian life? Why is it suffering? Now, if you look at the next slide, You see, it says, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it, right? Now, uh, the word here, narrow, is actually translated in other parts of the Bible as affliction, as persecution. If we are distressed, or like the same word, it is for your comfort and salvation, if it is, if we are comforted, it is for your comfort. Okay, so on. If there one Thessalonians, in fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. As it turned out that way, as you well know. So the narrowness of the journey as a Christian, as a kingdom person, is not only just because we are obedient to Jesus, but because of affliction and persecution that comes because we are Christian people. And that's why in Matthew chapter 5, which Jesus began in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The Christian life is difficult because when you choose to do what Jesus wants, not only does it cramp your style and make you uncomfortable, but because by the very nature of living as a kingdom person, there will be affliction and persecution from society. And that's why it is a narrow gate, and it's a narrow way. But I want you to pay attention a bit more, because I said that these two verses have so much meaning, right? Because not only is it narrow, and is it, a narrow gate and a narrow way, but it is a way which is unpopular. Read the text carefully. It is unpopular because only a few find it. Only a few people will be walking with you on the narrow path. Isn't that discouraging? Not only are you suffering, but few people will suffer for you, with you in walking with Jesus Christ because the majority will be walking on the easy road, the broad road through the broad gate. Now, um, you know when you go to a the theme park, right? There are lots of people. You go to the theme park in Hong Kong, you go to Universal Studios in Singapore, you go to Disney, now, there are always like huge amounts of people. And what do they do? They have these huge gates and huge paths. Or you go to Legoland, right? And everybody is walking along this path. The reason why they're walking along this path is because it is the easy way. It is the way which everybody naturally walks. And when you go to the theme park, generally, you follow where everybody else is going. Isn't that the case? I mean, I've been to the theme park. I think, I'm sure every one of you has been to the theme park, right? You follow where the crowd is going. You don't go down the little lane. You go down the big boulevard and the big broadway. The problem is, Is that as Christians we must follow not the path which everybody is going on, but rather we choose to follow the way which is unpopular. Now, I remember um, when I first became a Christian, uh people will say things to me like, Oh, you know, it's okay to go to church, but don't be a fanatic. Has anybody ever said that to you? It's okay to be uh a Christian but but don't be fanatical about it. You know this is what the Bible is saying. La. But you know there's real life. You know the Bible is not realistic. You can't follow everything the Bible tells you to do. Right? It's just not real life. There may be other people who say to you, Oh, um uh, you know uh it's okay to cut corners because you know Jesus won't mind if you if you don't follow a few things. You know God knows that your heart is in the right place. Right? But that's the easy path, right? That is exactly what Jesus is warning you against. He's saying, as he comes to the end of his Sermon on the Mount, you need to walk the narrow path, the constricting path. You need to obey what I'm saying. Because at the end of the day, it is going to be a lonely path. And I think that when you look closely at this, uh two verses, right? the few who find the narrow path and the many who are on the broad path, it is not just the outside world. There will be Christians who are walking on the broad path. The many people who are on the broad path do not just compose of the people outside the church, they compose of the people inside the church. There will be people within the church who are walking on the broad path to destruction. So as we come to uh, this picture, right? Uh, which one is the Disneyland one? Okay, so I remember John Stott. He said, even though the way looks very attractive, even though there are many, many people walking on the broad path, there are many people here, there is no security on this road. Even though we think that there is security with many people, he says in the end, this is a suicide road. He said, even though the road to being a Christian is difficult and filled with difficulty, he says we must choose the narrow path because it is the only way to life. The easy road which many people will follow is ultimately to destruction. And this word destruction is used 18 times in the New Testament. It always is talking about uh, hell and, and death. Right. So not only is it Narrow, it is unpopular. The Christian life is not just difficult, but unpopular. But on top of that, Jesus warns that there will be other people who will be calling you away from the narrow road. That's why he says in verse 15, right? Or 15 onwards. Watch out for the false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. The difficulty of the Christian life is not just that inherently it is difficult and unpopular, but it is because people are constantly calling you away from the narrow path to walk on the broad path to destruction. That is what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying that the wolves are those who are telling people by their actions, by their words, by their preaching, to actually disregard Jesus' words on the Sermon on the Mount. That's what Jesus is saying here. That is what a false prophet does. In Jeremiah chapter 6, right? you can see that Jeremiah says, From the latest to to the greatest, all are greedy for gain. Prophets and priests alike all practice deceit. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is... No peace. So here we have a prophet, a false prophet, who's basically saying that things are not so serious. Don't worry about it. There's no need for repentance. Jesus is saying the same thing. He's saying that within the context of the Christian life, there will be false prophets who will tell us that things are okay. Don't worry about what Jesus is saying. Just take the easy path. Now, the problem is that we often think of these people as people outside. Oh yeah, you know, there are these people outside. They're very liberal Christians who are espousing very liberal views. But it doesn't have to be people outside. People like ourselves who look like sheep, once we start saying things like oh don't don't take so seriously what Jesus is saying, don't hunger and thirst for righteousness, don't be pure on heart, don't do God's will, don't love your neighbor right don't forgive other people, don't need to love your enemies. Then we are already becoming like sheep that the wolves in sheep's clothing Now, I remember uh, many, many years ago uh, I heard a bishop uh say that his number one priority or his, his perception of a job as a bishop was to keep unity in the church. Now, I reflected on that as I well was preparing the sermon, right? Because if you can sort of think of it this way, if the narrow path and what Jesus is saying is contained in this little circle, right? So imagine that circle is what Jesus is saying. This is the way you must live as a kingdom person, this is the way you must live as my disciple. And he's warning you, the next slide, that there are all these wolves, right? all these wolves out there who are trying to pull you away from living the kingdom way. Right. So the next slide. Yep, next one. Okay, yeah, but click faster, right? Okay, so. So he's warning you about all these people, right? Don't follow all these wolves. Don't follow all these wolves. But then what the bishop was saying, next slide, was that if unity is the main goal of his, I guess, his job, then you actually, you're not doing what Jesus is saying. Because what Jesus is saying is, you are there to warn people of these wolves, Because by following these wolves, you're actually going away from the narrow path, the narrow gate. But if unity is your goal, then you're actually embracing the wolves. You're embracing these wolves in sheep's clothing who are actually denying the kingdom way, the way to live. Now, I'm not saying that we should, um, you know, go out there and have a cynical view of everybody, right? And be basically trying to pick fault of everybody, saying, oh, you're a false shepherd, or you're a wolf in sheep's clothing, and say, you know, everything that, you know, I'm just a very suspicious person of everything that everybody is saying. No, I don't think so, because last week we already said that we should judge, uh, you know, with discernment, judge with mercy, judge with forgiveness. But I think that what that bishop was saying is very dangerous, right? Because if you say that we are all Christians, and there is no danger there, then you're actually going against what Jesus is saying, because Jesus says very clearly, that there are false prophets who are trying to take you away from the real words of what Jesus is saying and to take you away from the difficult path and follow your natural instincts and to run to the easy path. So Jesus goes on to say, look, how do you recognize them? He said you recognize them by their fruit. Now obviously the fruit that Jesus is talking about has very little resonance of us, right? I mean, he's not talking about durians and rambutans and mangoes, right? So here on the left is a thorn bush, right? And and they've got these fruits which look like grapes, but obviously you can't eat them; they're not very tasty, right? And that's those are grapes. Okay, so you can eat grapes. Okay, they are good for you, I suppose. Okay, next one. Okay, so this is um next slide. Oh, you can click it again. Sorry. So this is a thistle, and that is a fig. So I... Who eats figs? I don't know if I've eaten figs in my whole life, right? But apparently, figs are these very nice things which you can eat. I don't know where, maybe you buy at some atas supermarket, right? But you can see that there's a difference between good fruit and bad fruit. right? The good fruit is the fruit which is edible, fruit which is uh, nutritious. But what we are to see is how... Is a person this prophet or how this is a person actually preaching and living? Uh, is this person actually telling us what is good for us? Not the easy path, but good for us in terms of eternity. Will we end up in eternal life because of what this person is saying or influencing us to do? Or will we end up in destruction? So we must be wise, we must be discerning and not listen and say, okay, let's go to the easy path. Let's go to the broad road that leads to destruction. But rather, listen to those people that keep us on the narrow road that leads to life. Now, as we come to the second part of this uh, ending, uh, Jesus then goes on to say, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now, someone asked me just before the sermon, uh, when they look at the bulletin, right? uh, what is the 2CL mean, right? So actually, there are two claims, right? Because there are people who claim to be Kingdom people, but actually, they are not kingdom people. The problem is, they are sayers, not doers. You notice that? They say that. They say, Lord, Lord. Now, because it is within the context of judgment, these are not people who are just saying, Lord, Lord, as in Sir, Sir, or Teacher, Teacher. They are saying, Lord, Lord, because they are recognizing Jesus as God. Lord, God, Jesus. They recognize Jesus as God, their God. They say they know Jesus. But the problem is that Jesus doesn't know them. Isn't that amazing? They, they know the name of Jesus, but Jesus says, away from me, I never knew you. And the problem is that they only are able to profess the name of Jesus in their mouth, they are able to do miracles but they do not do what Jesus says, especially in the Sermon on the Mount. They base their relationship on Jesus in verbal pronouncement as well as great acts of spiritual worship, so to speak, spiritual demonstration. And the spiritual demonstration that they have here is very impressive spiritual demonstration. We're not talking about small fry stuff. Right? We're talking about A-grade Oxford School of Religious uh, Acts, okay? Like prophecy, driving out demons, miracles. If we were to meet someone like this, we would say, wow, this person really is a Christian. If anybody was going to be saved, this person would be saying, look, he can do miracles. Look, he can prophesy or she can prophesy. Look, they can drive out demons. And they pronounce Jesus as Lord, amen. But Jesus says on the last day, he will say to them, I never knew you. And why? It says there, away from me, you evildoers. Now in the ESV, if you look up here on this slide, right? Uh, the words, the work that, the, the word that's actually being translated is the worker of righteous, uh, of, uh, of lawlessness. The worker of lawlessness. And I think that actually is, um, captures it a bit better, la. The worker of lawlessness. Because, you know, if you say evildoer, it kind of like, uh, okay, I'll explain it a bit later, but if you say evildoer, it's almost like, um, every time you do evil, hey, you are really condemned, right? But I think it's an orientation of the heart, right? Because when you're a worker of lawlessness, it means that your heart condition, your orientation is towards lawlessness. You are walking on the broad road of destruction. You are ignoring the narrow road of obedience and submission to the Sermon on the Mount. That means that these people are willing to say, Lord, Lord. They're willing to do great acts of spiritual manifestation, but they are not workers of righteousness. They do not hunger and thirst for righteousness. They're not pure on heart. They ignore deliberately what Jesus says. They are workers of lawlessness. They are doing something outside what Jesus is saying. And I think this is very important for us to To remember because what is the mark of a kingdom person? Not the verbal profession. Not the baptism. Not even the spiritual acts. It is whether you choose to take Jesus' words seriously in the Sermon on the Mount. If you say, I don't even want to consider forgiving someone. I don't even want to consider doing what I know is part of God's will. Then you are a worker of lawlessness. You are not doing the will of Jesus' Father, you're not doing what is right. Now, that is really mind-blowing. Right? Because what Jesus is interested in is not what the world is interested in, like, you know, the outside uh, show of Lord, Lord, or the outside show of great spiritual power. Uh, you know, my father, uh, he became a Christian uh, a few years ago, and he when he did his... Uh, uh, baptism membership course, uh, they do something slightly different from what we do here at BTPC. They went for a Holy Spirit weekend where you go to learn how to speak in tongues over the weekend. But the thing is, even if you can speak in tongues, even if you have the Holy Spirit weekend and you end up speaking in tongues at the end of it, does it matter to Jesus Christ? No, it doesn't. He doesn't care about whether at the end of, you know, at the last day, whether you could do a spiritual sign or a spiritual act, right? I mean, he could, they could have a miracle weekend for all Jesus cares. What Jesus is worried about is, are you taking his word seriously? Or are you a worker of lawlessness and ignoring what he's saying? Now, again, we will all recognize that we all cannot obey Jesus' words perfectly. We all struggle. It is difficult. We all naturally want to retaliate. We all naturally don't want to forgive. Who wants to love his enemy? We all want to love our friends instead, right? But the thing is, in the beginning of the Sermon we already know that we are poor in spirit. We recognize that we try and fail, we try and fail, and we try and fail again. But we do know there's a fundamental difference to saying I'm not even going to try and I'm going to ignore what Jesus says to trying and failing and trying and failing. What Jesus is saying here is don't be a sayer, be a doer. He said do this and he expects you to do it. And even though it's uncomfortable, even it's narrow and constricting you, you must keep trying to do it. In the last section, in verse 24 to 27, he uses a different image. Therefore, anyone, sorry, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, if the first section is about sayers and doers, then the second section is a picture of hearers, and doers. So the first section was about people saying Lord, Lord. And this section is about a section about people who hear. Now, the picture is of a house which does not fall. Right? A house built on the rock versus a house built on sand. And there's a very dramatic picture of a storm coming and the house collapses and is completely destroyed. Now the picture of destruction here is consistent with the picture of destruction in the last few sections that we've been looking at. So if you look up here next slide there was the destruction of the broadway there was the tree thrown into the fire there was the, the rejection of Jesus on that day. So here the storm is actually an image the same image that we've been seeing on and on and on today of judgment and hell and eternal judgment. And what Jesus is saying is, those who listen and do not practice face hell, judgment, and destruction. The problem is, and the scary thing is, is that In the crowd that day, when Jesus was preaching, there were two types of people. The hearers and those who heard and did. And the scary thing is, maybe today in church, there are two types of hearers as well. Because you guys have sat through the sermon amount. You guys have gone through Bible study. Hopefully you guys have heard the sermon. You are hearers, But only God knows if you are practices. And in fact, only you and I will will see at the very end when Jesus comes whether your house is built on the solid ground of taking Jesus' word seriously and practicing it. Or whether you have built your house on the sand of just listening and going off and not practicing. Now, you notice here, Jesus doesn't differentiate between the wise, the smart, the intelligent, the not so intelligent, the lower IQ, those who didn't do so well. It's about practicing. Because what Jesus is saying is not very difficult, right? To understand. But it's difficult to do. Difficult to obey. Difficult to submit. So the question is, what will you do with the words of Jesus? Will you hear and practice or will you hear and ignore? So in conclusion, uh, oh, yep, I was uh, reading this book that I bought many years ago about this guy who was just writing about, uh, you know, how you, when you make different decisions in your life, there are consequences. You know, like if you choose to study hard when you're young, or not, there will be consequences. Who you marry will have consequences. Whether you choose to save or not will have consequences. Whether you choose oh, everything has consequences, right? Jesus says here in today's passage that there are consequences to how you listen to Jesus. If you listen and you do not practice, you listen you choose to go on a narrow road or you choose to go on the broad road, you choose to go through the narrow gate or the broad gate, there are consequences. And the consequences are eternal, forever and ever. So choose well, right? Choose well. Because at the end of the day, if you take the easy road, you listen only, you talk only, or you do your religious acts only, then Jesus says, you're not really in the kingdom of Heaven, you're not really a disciple, but rather, oh, you need to click a few times, right? You actually face judgment. So a few days ago, um someone told me this real story about how she knows this Christian lady, this girl, who said that, oh, you know, I'm really busy either studying or working, and I can either choose to go to church on a Sunday, uh, I can choose to go to Bible study, I can choose to do various things, or I can just spend all my time studying. But well, I've decided to stop coming to church and it's been about six months now to a year because if I choose not to study, then I can see immediate consequences. Maybe I don't do so good for my exam, I don't do so well for my career, but If I don't go to church, well, there are no immediate consequences. Well, there's a choice, right? There's a real choice. But I was thinking to myself, actually, when you read what Jesus is saying, there are consequences. They may not be immediate consequences. Yeah, okay. Today I get the easy road. I take the easy decisions. I make the easy choices. There are no consequences. It's easy. Everybody's on this road. Everybody's doing what I'm doing. I don't feel any consequences. But Jesus says very clearly, that there will be consequences. There are eternal consequences. So, listen to the warning of Jesus. Listen and take His words seriously. Obey what He's saying. Take the narrow road. Take the constricting road. The difficult road. Even when it's hard, always obey Jesus. Always be a kingdom person, a disciple of Jesus. Because that is the only way to eternal life. Okay, let's go to God in prayer. Okay, dear Father, as we come before you today, we pray that as we have heard your word, as we have been challenged by your word, we pray that as for all of us here today in this congregation that we will be on the narrow path, that we will enter through the narrow gate, that even though it is not the popular path, even though there may be many people, even fellow Christians who choose not to be on this path even though there may be false prophets who are trying to draw us away from this path, we will always be doers of Jesus' word. We will be practices of what he is saying. And that we will not only be listeners or sayers, but really doers who take seriously uh, the words of Jesus. Help us not to be those who pick and choose what we want to follow. Help us not to be those who... Uh, just conveniently forget or ignore uh, what Jesus says but to see that what really counts in the end what really counts as true discipleship authentic discipleship is obedience, submission to the words of Jesus Christ and we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ Amen Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church For more information Visit us online at busybc.sg.